Well, happy Labor Day weekend to you. Great to see you guys. If I've not met you, my name's Aaron. I'm so glad to share God's word with you. A friend of mine invited this famous Christian speaker to come to his church to speak, and he was given a contract, which is common, especially with, with the famous ones, and in that contract, there was a writer. The writer tells, you know, preferences that the speaker may have, but, but in this case, because it was contractual, it was an obligation. And this particular Christian speaker, he's a guy some of you, you really like, um, wanted a particular brand of water. Like it couldn't be Sam's Club water. It had to be a particular brand. Enough for you. This isn't the right place for you to speak. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. By the way, parenthetically, part of the story is that speaker backpedaled really fast. Oh, no, I'm cool with Aquafina, man. It's good. I'll speak. Anyway, that story reminds me of a, of a challenge I struggle with and you struggle with too. And that is to move into the place of, of earthly culture, not heavenly culture. A place where we just value power and prestige and misuse that. Uh, we... we we want that which is, makes us known and famous. And here's the irony of it. We follow this Jesus who was, the scripture tells us, was unattractive, who avoided fame, um, who didn't use earthly power. He showed a different way. So the title of my message today is, will you go higher with God? That's the question. We go higher with God, but here's the part that's strange in the kingdom. To go higher with God, we actually have to go lower. It's completely counterculture. It's counterintuitive. It's, it's the opposite of what we naturally want to do and how we naturally operate. The high place for this sermon is going to be that place that is visible and spectacular and powerful. I was thinking about that. Uh, I was thinking of the ice skating rink in the malls back in the 90s. I love to sit at the high place and watch the people fall <laughs> as I ate my pretzel because I was high and safe. And in my less sanctified self, early teenage pre-driver's license self, I would just love to taunt and yell. And it felt so powerful to be at the high place. The low place is crowded. The low place is grimy. It's uncomfortable. And the low place is a place of vulnerability. And that's exactly the place that Jesus descended to. He descended to the low place. He's at the highest place that we can even conceive. In fact, our our intellectual ability to understand a high, lofty place. Jesus is like so far beyond that, our minds can't even understand it. But he chose the low place, and by choosing the low place, God took him to the high place. And I just know this about myself, and I know that about all of us. It's not enough of us choose the low place. We're just in this competition it's very, 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 very intense competition to get to the top in the earthly, the earthly realm. So here's, here's where Jesus tells us a story. 
You guys got pens? You got pens? They're, they're just, there's not as many pens out as I wanted, but I'm, I'm just telling you, they're, they're there for your benefit. Parables, Jesus used parables most of the time. A lot of his teaching, let's put it that way, was full of parables. And parables give like this very common sense, practical application, but there's underneath a deeper meaning. So when you hear a parable, you're like, well, that makes sense. That's common sense. It means all of us understand. It's common to us that that is sensible. But then underneath these parables, there's something more intense and deeper. It's kingdom stuff. And this is the passage that Pastor Josh read for us today is what we're going to see here. Jesus wanted to illustrate there's two realms, the realm of heaven and the realm of earth. And he keeps wanting to break into the earthly realm by heaven touching earth. That's why we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let the reality of heaven touch earth. And parables help us see that. And Jesus also kind of taught in real time. So the parable you're going to see today is just, he was living life with his community, which reminds us of the power of the ordinary and just the rhythms we're in and the life we live. There's, Jesus is teaching us all along the way. He's teaching us as we live. A lot of the times we don't have to go search for deep teaching. We just have to open our spiritual eyes and allow the Holy Spirit to start bringing revelation just in everything we do. Uh, if you're babysitting a child, there's revelation there. If you're attending a larger social gathering, there can be uh, a kingdom lesson there. Uh, on a holiday weekend, if we're spiritually reflective and we're listening to the Lord, and we, we, can, we can see a spiritual lesson, lesson. So parables did not stop with Jesus. Parables taught us how to see the world. And we see the world through kingdom eyes. And we see the world through spiritual realities. And Jesus is saying, hey, let's take something very ordinary that you do, something very normal, and let's bring out kingdom realities. So something that happened a lot in his days, and it happens a lot in our days, is people got together and, and they would eat. And there would be a banquet. And this is the parable that we uh, join today. So verse 7 says this. He told a parable to those who were invited. Remember me telling you about real-time teaching? So this was not this abstract experience. Um, he was saying, hey, we just experienced this banquet. Now let me tell you a kingdom principle. And he noticed how they would choose the best place for themselves. How many know that 100% of us have done that? Some of us, I mean, we do that all the time. So let's not judge the others, right? I mean, it's just, it, it, we always are looking for the best place for us. And that's not even always wrong. It, but it's just, this is a kingdom reality. And he says this, here's the very practical advice that has underlying spiritual meaning. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't recline at the best place. Because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. Here's a kingdom principle here. So here, I want you to write this down. Choose the low place. You want to go higher with God? Number one, put it up there for us. Choose the low place. Oh, we've already talked about that. That is so counterintuitive. I mean, we just are not programmed to do that. Why would we choose the low place? 
He's saying, Jesus is saying, in the future, I want you to make this a practice. Now, here's a really practical reason. This is just really practical. And, and anyone can believe this. A non-kingdom person can believe this. Like, don't choose the low place because you might get embarrassed. That, that's what Jesus was saying. And it is true. If you think more highly of yourself and you're th- you think you're the man, you're the girl, you're the woman, and you're God's gift uh, to that banquet, you're God's gift to that party, and you come in smug, it's likely that eventually you're going to be humbled. At this point, I have more illustrations to give about my life than I could possibly have time to give. Because I have a tendency to be cocky. We'll actually talk about that as the service goes on. There's a reason why you picked to sit in the front row this morning, wasn't it? You didn't even know this. The spirit just led you there because her head is just going to be going like this up and down. That's my wife, by the way. So here's the divine principle is that if you humble yourself, God's going to bring you, that God's going to exalt you. Religious leaders like me struggle with this. And Jesus speaks to this very thing to the religious leaders of his day. Look at verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 45 and 46. This is not in your notes. Extra credit, guys. While all the people were listening, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes, And let me just parenthetically let you know that's the professional religious Christians, the people who studied the scripture, the seminary graduates, the people who had so much insight in scripture, they they were able to spend all day studying scripture. Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who love greetings in the synagogue, in the marketplaces. The best seats in the synagogues. Now, here's exactly what Jesus is talking about. And the place of honor at the banquets. Jesus, beware of this. Don't be like them. Now, isn't that interesting that the people who are leading the family of God and and leading religious practices, Jesus is saying, hey, don't really be like them because they like to be honored too much. And I can identify with this. As we're learning more about personalities and how to categorize personalities, there's lots of different ways we can learn that. One of the things that I'm seeing and and through discussions with others is that senior pastors like me, we do like attention. And that's part of how like God maybe got us to where we're at. Because at 13, I started preaching. And I started receiving affirmation for that. And people liked me because I was a good preacher. And I like, I like that persona about me. Okay, now, I need a lot of encouragement, so I'm not telling you stop encouraging me because I, I, need, I still need it. That's between me and the Lord how I process that encouragement. But we've set up systems, systems of honor that can easily destroy the humility within us. And, and I tell you this because the scripture talks about religious leaders, but you know, in your field, in your life, it's the same way. It's the same way. Maybe for a mom, maybe 
really early in a conversation, you're slipping in the fact of who your kids are and how old they are and what they're doing because somehow it makes you feel more important. And it's, um, it's a security blanket for you. Now, I'm not saying don't talk about your kids. I love my kids too. I talk about them. But, but, but I'm grasping here uh, for application here because we, we, we love to be honored. We, we love that kind of honor. And, and Jesus says, I want you to think differently about this. I want you to go to a lower place. I want you to go to a place because if you go to a low place, I then can take you to a high place. Now, before we get there and emphasize that, sometimes I've treated that spiritual principle as a gimmick. Like, I really want the people at CIL to like me, so I'm going to just come across humble. Authentic Aaron, who shares his problem with the people when he preaches. You, you, see, you see where we can easily swing the other way? to what we now identify as false humility. Okay, false humility is this idea of using humility or using the persona of humility to actually attract people to yourself because people, humility is so rare that it does attract people to the humble. And so when we, when we then begin to project humility, we have to be humble about our persona of humility. I hope that's making sense to you because it's my challenge. And I say it's my challenge because it's your challenge too. Jesus himself, this is interesting, you know, Jesus was a man of scripture. So a lot of the power that Jesus displayed for us is because he was always in scripture and he was always quoting scripture. And even when he did not directly quote scripture, he he inferred scripture, and such is the case in this story. Because no doubt Jesus was thinking about this proverb from Proverb 25, chapter 25, starting with the sixth proverb as, as we now uh, organize it. It says this, don't boast about yourself before the king. And don't stand in the place of the great. For it is better for him to say to you, come up here, than to demote you in plain view of a noble. So there's a lot of historical context going on there, but you guys get the point, don't you? Jesus was thinking about this scripture. Jesus was understanding this concept. And Jesus actually introduced to, to a culture who was influenced by Greek thought where humility was, was considered bad, some people believe Jesus introduced the concept of humility uh, to Western culture, what became Western, and, and, and other Eastern culture too, but to, to what now, we can trace it back to Jesus. And humility is so fundamental to us as Christians that it eludes us very often. Here's the issue. If you know you have humility, you've lost humility. That's what makes it so elusive. I'm humble. And then you've lost it. 
Humility, listen carefully to this, is not thinking low of yourself. That's not humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. Again, humility is not thinking low of yourself. Humility can increase the life of God upon us in the area of humility. Um, it's not, you don't become a humble person. Uh, you live a humble life. So I can be humble today and wake up and step into pride tomorrow. So if you think like humility is not a level you reach, humility is a decision that you apply to every conversation, every time. And just, you know, working this all out, what is humility? What is false humility? If people try to appear too false, falsely humble to me, I can't even have a conversation with them. That gets on my nerves. So it's like, yeah, you can tell me about your life. That's okay. But the exchange of information and getting to know each other's hearts and stories, which includes our career development, includes what our kids do, it includes our, our past. That's an important exchange of our stories. It's much different than us projecting an image to have an advantage over someone or, or to, 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 to take more power in that conversation. So we can all grow in humility. The first time I ever went to what is now Nissan Stadium, was in 1999. It was the very first year that they opened up the Titans Stadium. And I was pretty excited because I, I was a Texas Longhorns fan and Ricky Williams had won the Heisman Trophy and he was playing for the New Orleans Saints and it was a preseason game and it was the only game I could afford. And I got tickets to this game. And then I, I was in my second year of marriage and so I made an early marriage mistake. Some of you guys are still making this mistake, so let me just go with you. I told Beth, I have a surprise. Now, Beth follows sports, and she likes sports, okay? And so as a, a doting wife, she said, what is that surprise? I have tickets to the preseason Titans game, honey. <laughs> so guys, the point is, what you think is enjoyable is not necessarily what your wife thinks is enjoyable. I mean, she goes along with it. She goes along with it. It's just like Josh, you getting those Duke basketball tickets for Brooke. She went with you because she loves you. But I'm just telling you, Josh, it was just a labor of love. <laughs> We're learning together, brother. The word in those days was this. There is not a bad seat in the Titans' new stadium. How many know that is a lie from the pit of hell? Because with my preseason tickets that I could afford, this is where I sat. Yep. <laughs> and I took my beautiful bride all the way up those ramps, back and forth and back and forth. And we needed oxygen by the time we got up there. And I was so excited to get in these, these seats. And I sat down. Guys, I couldn't tell who the players were. They were this small. They were... At half an inch high. How many have sat in that corner like that? Do you know what I'm talking Can you testify in here? I'm not the only one. That, that was disappointing. I was bummed out. I was just bummed out. About halfway through the second quarter, I see my phone rings. This was pre-text messaging, so you know it's authentic. And my friend Mark knew I was at the game. He said, come on down. I have tickets in the club seating. So I came on down, and as I passed those ascending the ramp, I was like, these poor minions. 
have to sit in the upper deck. And I entered an area that was air conditioned and it was good. Now I was kind of excited about that illustration. Then I realized it doesn't really work with a sermon where you go higher with God because actually he took me lower but I went to higher price tickets. That's the difference, okay? So I had to work through that in my mind because here's your second point. Second point is let God take you higher as in higher price tickets for this illustration, all right? Let God take you higher. Verse 10, but when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place so that when the one who invited you comes, he will say to your friend, move up higher. Practical excuse. This is, again, practical. Jesus is practical. But then now there's more. You will then be honored in the presence of all their guests. Here's the kingdom principle, verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so we don't use that as a trick. And like, God, I've been humble for a long time. You have to exalt me. It's a principle of the heart to say, God, I'm going to choose the low place because the low place is where you want me. And if you want to take me higher, God, you will take me to the place I couldn't create on my own. Man, I'm still trying to learn that. Here's one of the reasons that I know that I've not been a humble person in my adult life. It's because I used to not listen to people. I was a bad listener. And I made some kind of excuse, like, well, I'll get a form of ADD, ADHD, or whatever that is. I'm not making fun of that. My first job, uh, my coworkers went on my computer screen and they put as a screensaver medicine for ADHD. They did. I mean, it was, it was, they, they really thought I had an issue with that. And, and I probably do. So I'm not even belittling that, but I thought y'all would find that funny at least. Um, I blamed other things but I didn't listen to people. I think I'm getting better. And I want to get better because as someone who doesn't listen isn't a humble person. And, and I see that. I see people. When I talk to people and I just kind of see them trailing off, I'm like, see ya. I just walk off now. I, I, I meet with a group of pastors that, that I have several of those kind of groups. I get more pastor friends than I need, so I'll be more. Friend. I need to hang out with more people like you guys. I've got I got plenty of pastor friends. Just in case you have someone you want to recommend to me, I'm, I'm covered. Covered, guys. So I'm meeting with this group of pastors, and one of the groups I meet with, all the guys are older than me, except there's one who's about ten years younger than me. And one of the reasons I stopped going for a few months is because when he would talk, no one would listen. I just said, that's rude. And it's not a sign of humility. So that's an area that I want to improve in because a humble person is a person who listens. And I hope God helps me to become more humble. And this is why we, as the people of God, where we need to become more humble is by listening to God. If we would just have ears to hear God. But we, we, we want to talk. We want to tell God what to do for us. Listening to him. That's part of living a life in the parables. Our life is a parable. Where can we hear God in this very earthly, ordinary time? This is what our psalm for today says, Psalm 81. But my people did not listen to my voice. 
Israel did not obey me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. Now look at verse 13. This is God's heart. If only my people would listen to me and Israel would follow my ways, I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hands, my hand against their foes. So one of the signs of being humble before the Lord is to listen to the Lord. Maybe over the next 48 hours in this holiday weekend, you could take some time to just listen to the Lord. Listen, be humble enough to listen. Be humble enough to get God's perspective on that relationship that's irritating you. Get humble enough to get God's, uh, God's perspective on, on that possession that you want to get rid of or that possession that you want to obtain. What's your perspective, God? God, give me hearing ears to hear what you're saying. And in the problems that we face, the Lord would just say this, if my people would listen to me, if Aaron would just listen to me, then I would subdue his enemies. But I'm not humble enough to listen to God because I have it figured out. Like, I'm smart. People come on Labor Day weekend to hear me speak. This is my pride talking now. I'm smart. People want my advice. Why should I pray? Why should I listen to God? I don't say that verbally, but I, I, I can live that out. This particular calendar year, the Lord, Lord is helping me learn to listen more, walk more slowly with him. The slow work of God, the deep work of God is often the lasting work of God. And we have to give God room for that. Here's number three, give someone else a lift. Hey, God's gonna take you higher so you can take someone higher with you. Verse 12, he said to the one who had invited him, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. And I want you to remember the rich neighbors part. Because they might invite you, invite you back and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, are blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus, I forgot to tell you this earlier, he began by talking to the guest, and he's like, guest, make sure that you choose the low place, but now he's talking to the host, and he's like, when you invite people, don't forget the marginalized. Don't forget those who cannot pay you back. Don't forget those who normally do not have a place at the table. This is not just food. I, I believe that one of the greatest poverty here in the suburbs we have is relational poverty. And we have these closed group of people with no room to invite someone else. Do you know that if you invite someone into your group, you may change their life forever? Sometimes it's not the most spectacular thing we do, it's just a kind thing. Like, invite someone into your conversation. Invite someone to your seat. 
where we're looking at to be world changers and we don't realize that we can change the world of someone who's standing five feet away from us simply by including them in our orbit and our world and who we are. This, this is where this has real application. Sure, I could come up here and like, the church should do this, the church should do that, and the church should do this. But you know, who, I'm tired of talking about the church because we're the church. I'm just telling you, you should and I should be more hospitable. We should invite more people into our lives. And that doesn't mean that we have to have this perfect home and it has to be this perfect meal. That just means like simply talking to people. Like people want to be acknowledged and, and the Lord can help us with that. We, we have this in our culture. We have this kind of idea of like, if I buy a Jeff's lunch, you know, Jeff's going to be like, oh, next time I'm going to buy your lunch, Aaron. That happens to me all the time. You know, I pick up the bill. I pick up the bill usually for practical reasons because the poor waiter or waitresses, you know, they, you know, they have to watch the two people fight over the bill. And thank God that I had the resources to do that. You know, it's, sometimes it's my money. Sometimes it's a small budget that the church gives me to buy people meals. And, and I'll just say, hey, I'll just take the bill. Then all of a sudden, like paranoia comes over the people. They're like, the next time. I'm buying. I'm like, well, no, because I'm not going to invite you to lunch again because then you're going to think that I want a free meal. So now I just try, now, nowadays I just try to say, you get yours, I get mine, let's enjoy lunch. That's just, it's just the way it is. But we have this deal of, of, of like, we got to pay somebody back all the time. And, and the old custom rules, if, if someone has you over to their house that you've got to invite them back to, to their house and then it becomes this exchange, this relational exchange where we're obligated to one another. And, and so Jesus is saying, come on, let's get past that. He's not saying here, he's not saying don't get together with your relatives. He's not saying don't get together with your friends. We got to look at the whole scope of that. He's saying don't only think of them and don't invite someone over. I don't want to invite Jeff and Susan over to my place because I want to see their new house in Mansker Farms. And so come on over, come on over to my place. Y'all hang out with us because now they're obligated to invite us back. See, you understand? And this is what people were doing. Jesus knew their motives that they were, they were asking rich people to come to the banquet because it increased their status and it increased their opportunity. And Jesus is saying, don't do that only. Remember those who can never pay you back. That's kingdom work. The truly humble person gives without the expectations of anything back. And none of us has this perfectly. I don't, you don't. But how many know that after seeing God's word today, we're all gonna take one step closer to what he wants from us. Amen, are you with me on that? Hebrews chapter 13 says this. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality. And I just, again, I want to speak more into this right now. That does not, hospitality doesn't mean it has to be your home and you don't have to be like someone on HGTV with its perfect home to host. Hospitality is the spirit you have. Hospitable, hospitable, opening up your life to people, whether it's at a coffee shop or McDonald's, or your own home, or out there in the lobby. And I'm just gonna tell you this, if you've been going to this church for a long time, this is only for you guys who have been here for a long time, and if you go two months without meeting someone new, you need to apply God's word to your life. 
Even if you're shy, find someone who's not shy to be your partner. You're probably married. If you're married, you're probably married to someone not shy. If you're single, you're probably hanging out with someone who's not shy because that's what we do. We're, we're attracted to people different than us. And so be hospitable in including people into your life. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. I wonder how many angels have visited, visited CIL. It's a serious question. That'll be, that'll be cool to learn in, in, in heaven. If you don't know how to meet people, spend a morning with Ann Watson. God has used her to touch so many people in this church. Charles, you're pretty good too, so. <laughs> how many angels have come into our church? You know, I'm, and I'm just, boy, here's some new revelation here. If an angel was here, do you know how excited we'd be? Like, there's an angel here. I want to meet the angel. I want to get in line. Show me where they're at. Maybe God's saying if we treat everyone like that, then we're getting closer to what, who Jesus wants us to be because Hebrews chapter one says we have greater glory as human beings than angels have. Verse three, remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them and then mistreated as though you yourself were suffering bodily. Marriage is to be honored by all. That means single people, you need to, you need to honor other people's marriages. And just let the, Lord, let the Lord just use that in your life. The marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Isn't that a great thing to be satisfied with? We, get, we have a God who's never going to leave us. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Isn't this rich? Remember your leaders have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Later on in that same chapter, verse 15 says, Therefore, through him, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Now let's stand together. Aren't we thankful for the scripture today? Lord, we just thank you for the word. We just thank the Lord for the scripture. Thank the Lord for his Bible that's been revealed to us. I know this is that without scripture, Without God's word, I don't even want to imagine who I would be today. But his scripture changes me. It changes me. The scripture changes my thoughts, changes my attitudes, corrects wrong ways of thinking, and then lifts me emotionally, lifts my spirit. You know, just about just two Fridays ago, I just was just in a, in a just a down, I was just down, a little bit down that day, just 
all kinds of different reasons why. I was just down. You've been there too. And it was my time to go to my Bible reading plan. I was like, I don't want to read the Bible today. All right. Thankfully, it was New Testament because sometimes the Old Testament, I mean, just, I got to go, I got to supplement the Old Testament. But I was in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, and 9. 7, 8, and 9. And I read those, spent some time reading those. And I was different. I've been different since that time. Come on, it's God's word that changes us. It's God's word that changes us. But guys, we can't just be hearers of his word. We have to be doers of his word. So what are you going to do with what I've shared with you today? You want to go higher with God? Go lower. You want God to take you to a place you can't even go? Figure out ways to go to sometimes what is the unpreferred place. Man, it is really, really tiring trying to get to the top. Some of you, the reason you're struggling with your self-image is because you created a picture in your mind that you haven't seen accomplished yet and you're blaming yourself and the Lord's saying, rest in me. Come on, rest in me. Listen to me. If you just listen to me, I would subdue the foes around you. Some of those, those are enemies from within. The voice of the accuser is just saying, the timeline's off. I've missed my opportunity. The voice of the accuser that says, I'm not as talented as this person. The voice of the accuser that says, yeah, what my parents spoke over me, what my grandparents spoke over me, that really is true. That's not the voice of the one who's called you. That's not the voice of the one who's persuaded you. And if you would listen to him, listen to him, silence the voice of the enemy, silence the voice of the accuser, and listen to him, he would say, I will subdue the foes around you. I will take that darkness that's around you. And in the name of Jesus, the darkness flees. The darkness cannot stay where the light is revealed. And so it is, so it is that this light that he has for us, he's calling us to this life of hospitality where we can be open and authentic and we can say, listen, because I'm at the low place with the Lord, I'll share with you who I am because I'm not afraid of you taking my position. I'm not afraid of you taking my influence. I'm not afraid of you getting ahead of me. I'm not afraid of you using information against me because I'm already at a low place. And because I'm at a low place, I can be your friend now. Because I'm at a low place, we can be brothers. We can be sisters. We're on even ground. I'm not going to use you. You're not going to use me. Come on, this is what hospitality is. We're in the same family. We're in the same home. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the life God's called us to, and it comes right through Jesus and through his resurrection. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the application of your word. The Lord is stirring you today. The Lord is stirring you today and he's, he's, caused, he's asking you to do something. The Lord's asking you to do something very specific. I just believe that right now, that, that the Holy Spirit will give attention to something that you may call small, but it's big to the Holy Spirit. And he's just saying that this is what you need to do. I, I'm, I'm tempted to give hypotheticals, but if I give that, that might stop the work of God because it's like some of you, it might be so unusual if the Lord's asking you and it's so small right now you're wanting to you're wanting to just um just kind of squelch that voice and put it away because you're like that's just too that can't be God that's too small but the Lord is saying I want you to listen 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 and obey listen and respond because if you can hear God about the small things then he gives him access to the big things
So don't, don't quiet the voice of the Lord, even in the small things. Don't quiet the voice of the Lord in what you think is insignificant because it means something to God. God can take the smallest step to him. God can take the most, what was considered the most insignificant decision. God can take that which the world would say is weak and no big deal. And he can say, I'm going to take that step of obedience. I'm going to take that, that just surge towards me and I'm going to use it in a great and powerful way. So the Lord is dealing with your heart. He loves you. He loves you. Listen to him right now. I'm just imploring you to open your ears. That The Spirit keeps saying, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Listen to the Lord today. Don't listen to those other voices. Listen to the Lord to say, Lord, we're just, you're just speaking to a, you're speaking to me right now. You're speaking to me right now. Let's just close our eyes here for a second. Just feel like I want to ask this. The Lord's speaking to me, and, and I want this to be a point of contact in the, in the far left section, your left, not my left. Say, the Lord's speaking to me about something very specific today. Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to know to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you, several of you in there. What about in the middle two sections? And when the Lord's just speaking to you, I just feel like the Lord, this is not for my affirmation. Thank you, sir. Anyone else in the middle two section? Yeah, a couple of you. Yeah, what about that far right section? Say, the Lord's speaking to me. Thank you. Yep, two, three, four of you today. Thank you. Holy Spirit is speaking to us. So, Father, we give this time to you. And, Lord, we pray these last few minutes we have together, speak to us. I just want to tell you to encourage each other. Encourage each other in the Lord as Aubrey leads us in worship. The table of the Lord is open.